0: Yeah, my parents are kind of different musically. My dad's a very R&B kind of a guy. You know, growing up, I remember listening him listening to the OJs, Muddy Waters, Sam and Dave, stuff like that. Mom's a little more pop. The music that kind of reminds me of my mom or is like Bobby Deeran, Rod Stewart, the Everly Brothers, but they're both big rock fans, specifically Elvis Presley and the Rolling Stones. And my mom adores the Rolling Stones. And my parents, this is an interesting story. Um, my parents actually lived in Hawaii when they first got married, so they were at the famous Elvis Aloha from Hawaii concert. And I believe they paid $5 to do it because yeah. that was a donation for cancer research concert. And so it was pay what you can. Mm-hmm. And they, they were listening to, mom was inside doing something, dad was outside doing something and she comes running out and she said, there's still tickets, let's go. And they just rent down the hill and they were able to get to the, the Elvis Aloha from Hawaii show.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Today, we are getting off the Bruce Springsteen wagon, but he will probably come up as he normally does. I have uh, one of my long-distance friends, uh, one of my podcast partners, and just overall great person, Zan Sprouse, on the phone. Hey, Zan, how you doing?
0: Hey, Jesse, how are you doing? You're also I, an overall great person, by the way.
1: Well, so. thank you so much. Yeah, Zan is a co-host of a multitude of podcasts that we will talk about later. But we first got together when she was guest hosting on Doctor Who with Charles and I. And so uh, I've been uh, kind of, hey, Zan, join me, join me. And she, uh, we finally got our schedules uh, worked out. So I am thrilled you're here um tell everyone a little elevator pitch talk to tell us about yourself
0: uh yeah just uh yeah i'm zan sprouse and like you said i am kind of a nerd love me some doctor who i'm you know science fiction horror movie type of nerd um the the one thing i like to say is my elevator pitch for myself is uh um pez and pinball <laughs> <laughs> um because i uh i do collect pez dispensers i've been collecting pez dispensers since 1992
1: oh how cool
0: and i it's i I counted early in the year and so probably close to 2900 at this point wow 2900 pez dispensers yeah and then Um, another one of my hobbies that I do is I play pinball I actually when we're done here I'm going to go to a pinball tournament
2: (laughs) oh
1: how fun not
0: that great but I have a good time with it and so yeah Pez pinball movies and music those are those are my things
1: what are do you what is what is your rarest or what Pez dispenser you're most proud of
0: Uh, the creature from the black lagoon ah Um, that, that that was from the 60s and they did a series of horror universal horror there's a creature there's a frankenstein and there is a wolfman oh neat i'm lucky enough to have all three of them but the creature that i have is one of my it is my favorite dispenser that i own Uh and it was one of the 31 dispensers that chris got me for my 31st birthday so he had me open them in order and then the last one was the creature and he's beautiful he's pristine because the creature The Pez creature has these fins on the side of his head that are kind of thin. And so they can crack and Mm -hmm. he's got like little like open mouth and the the mouth can crack. But he's perfect. He's absolutely pristine.
1: How do you display him?
0: Just on shelves. What I did, I have a room downstairs in my house that when we first looked at the house, it had some built-in shelving. And I was like, Pez room when we buy this house. And what I did is I went to home depot and i had them sort of you know the pre-covered shelving yeah pieces i had them cut one i had them cut pieces that were like eight inches then seven inches then five inches so then i just have these shelves that i could just stack on them in the mm-hmm. inside i had these shelf pieces that i stacked one on top of the other in these built-in shelves so now i have like risers for them
1: oh nice
0: So then I've got, you know, so I've got shells where they're like kind of five deep, five or six deep. And then I have the container store has a thing they call tchotchke shells. If you're looking for them, that's what they are. They're only about an inch and a half wide, inch and a half, two inches wide. So then on the rest of the walls, I have those tchotchke shells and that's where the other pez can go. And then also from the container store, I have these like, I don't know, like eight by five Cambro type things, Mm -hmm. 10, or they're probably like 10 inches. And they also have stair steps, and then that's where I keep all my older Pez Pez that um, be- was made before, like 1985, didn't have those little feet on the bottom. Right. So they're very easy to topple. <laughs> yes. And because they're old, they can be brittle, and I want them to topple in a small space if they are going to topple. Yes, absolutely. So that's how. Yeah, I have a room with a lot of little shelving.
1: That that's kind of cool. That's neat. And because
0: I have the Pez room, I don't own any pinball machines. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. so I don't have any space for a pinball machine. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Uh, I, I love that. Um, the uh, Tyler Mahan Cohen does the um, cocaine and rhinestones podcast about the mm-hmm. history of country music. And there was an episode that talked a lot about pinball machines and how they used to be for gambling and Mm -hmm. that there were uh yeah so that was a fascinating I had not heard of that all I remember is you know throwing my quarters in a machine and you know Mm -hmm. loving to play it as a kid and I probably haven't played a pinball machine in in you know years but I I, now that I want to go do it
0: (laughs) yeah it's um there's a there's a guy named uh, Roger Sharp who Mm -hmm. is a fantastic pinball player who actually played pinball in front of Congress to prove that pinball is a game of skill now instead of chance? Because when yeah. pinball first started, it was like plinko. Yeah, and you just and if you want a free game or you want a couple of cents, that's why they thought it was gambling, which is yeah one major reason why Fiorella Laguardia outlawed it in New York specifically. Right. Um. But when they started putting the flippers in, it became a game of ch- a game of skill right and so roger sharp played against a congressman and roger's like okay i'm gonna hit this shot and he did it and i'm gonna hit this shot and he did it and the congressman just kept draining the ball <laughs> and that's when they realized <laughs> okay yeah maybe this is a game of skill and even if you do win a free game it's not actually a monetary payout so yeah um he helped pinball become legal again in the in the 1970s throughout the throughout the country
1: all right that's a, that's very cool
0: yeah, don't ask me trivia about my hobbies because that's all. No, I,
1: I'm loving this. I, you know, <laughs> hey, my, you know, I. Where else can you go to get this? Uh, you mentioned that Chris, who's your husband, uh, mm-hmm. gave you 31 Pez dispensers for your 31st birthday. Is mm-hmm. this a theme with you? Because I was going <laughs> to ask you a little bit. And I'm going to jump ahead of my agenda. You did something for your recent birthday. Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit. I about did. That.
0: Yes, I, um, and, I'll, and I'll show you okay. how, that, how that turned out. Um, <laughs> my recent birthday, uh, I turned 45. And because it was kind of a pandemic birthday, I really couldn't do a lot. So I asked people, if they, if they could, to either send me 45s, you know, like, mm-hmm. like seven-inch singles. Yeah. Or I also started a playlist on Spotify to add some songs. that you that make that you love or that you think that make you think of me or that you want me to hear or that you think i'll love that kind of thing Uh so a lot of people did the stuff on the uh on the spotify but then i got this gigantic box of
1: 45 that is neat
0: (laughs) that i have organized by who gave them to me
1: Uh
0: and uh as you can see, there is a, you might not be able to see it, but there is a, a Jesse Jackson section here. Yes.
1: Yes, there was. Because- <laughs> yeah, I went, Jesse- I did, I, I went to Amazon. I'm like, okay, well, I've got to find, you know, I've got to send her at least a couple of Bruce 45s. And so I found a Bruce 45 and, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and then you're like, oh, here's an Elvis 45. This would be fun. And so, uh, so and, it yeah.
0: did, and you sent me Suspicious Minds, like one of my all-time favorite Elvis songs.
1: So yeah, that was, absolutely. That was awesome did do you have a jukebox
0: no i don't i've got two record. <laughs> pl- i have two record players i have one that this i'm in my music room right now as you yes. can see it's not the cleanest thing in the world but i have um those are my records over there i have a okay. record player that that's a record player under the devo energy dome i keep the energy dome on it to keep it from getting too dusty right and then downstairs i have a bluetooth record player that can go anywhere in the house okay um but I just thought it would be fun to do uh, 45s. My friend Shelly bought me the box, and got a huge ton of 45s on Amazon Marketplace, and she bought me a necklace that was a one of the spindle spiders. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris got me 45 45s, so that was of course because he's <laughs> awesome. And there, and um, you know, friends just sort of came over and you know brought ones that they thought would be fun for me or that they liked or. Um, and i had my my one friend my, my friends josh and jackie they couldn't find a 45 of this but they were able to find the album that has disco lady on it which is the song that was number one the year i was born
1: okay so, very nice
0: so it was uh i just i just thought it would be it would be really fun i think when you have an age that is something i think that's a a fun a fun thing to do
1: oh like, i think um, that's a great idea that, that's that's yeah. that's so much fun so,
0: well so when I'm 52, I'm hoping people will give me decks of cards.
1: Okay, that, that, that's that <laughs> you're already thinking ahead. That sounds great. Yeah. All right. Uh, I always like to go to the back to beginning. So talk about where did you grow up, and was your family into a lot of music? Did they listen to a lot of music?
0: Um, we had a lot of well, I grew up here. I, I I currently live in Columbus, Ohio, and I was I was born in Newark, Ohio, just a little bit east of here and grew up mainly grew up mainly in central ohio i grew up in worthington ohio which is just north of columbus um with a little bit of a stint in kettering which is a suburb of dayton so midwestern ohio born and bred i still love it here so um yeah my parents are kind of different musically my dad's a very r b kind of a guy you know growing up i remember listening to him listening to the ojs muddy waters sam and dave stuff like that um mom's a little more pop the music that kind of reminds me of my mom or is like Bobby Deeren, Rod Stewart, the Everly Brothers, but they're both big rock fans, um, specifically Elvis Presley and the Rolling Stones, and my mom adores the Rolling Stones. And my parents, this is an interesting story, um, my parents actually lived in Hawaii when they first got married, so they were at the famous Elvis Aloha from Hawaii concert.
1: Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And I believe they paid $5 to do it because that was a donation for cancer research concert. Right. Um, And so it was pay what you can. Mm -hmm. And they, they were listening to mom was inside doing something. Dad was outside doing something and she comes running out and she said, there's still tickets. Let's go. And they just rent down the Hill and they were able to get to the, the Elvis Aloha from Hawaii show that
1: is hilarious
0: isn't that that is a great story Uh. so and my dad you know my dad has seen um Hendrix like he Mm -hmm. just sort of got lucky and was able to see him I forget where so yeah um they've seen some stuff but uh you know as a kid my parents were pretty good about having current radio stations on in the car so um you know I heard you know, and I and I'm thinking like before the age of five is what I'm thinking yeah Just Listen to, you know, Billy Joel, Fleetwood Mac, Pink Floyd, um some of that earlier, like later 70s rock type stuff. I, you know, there wasn't I didn't get a lot of I wasn't hearing a lot of that punk new wave stuff on the radio. But yeah. Um but my favorite first my first favorite song that I ever had was Midnight Train to Georgia by Gladys Knight the Pips. Great song. So um and I, I feel like my 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 young life is very segmented because when you're a kid and you move, things are right. very specific, <laughs> yeah. so we moved to Kettering when I was six, and so you know before that I was very you know into soundtracks um like you know things like Annie Great Muppet Caper Muppet movie I love the Muppets still love the music of the Muppets I think Joe Raposo is one of the greatest songwriters ever as is Paul Williams yeah um and but when we moved to Kettering was around the time that MTV was a thing Mm -hmm. so around that time that's when I sort of got into Prince and Madonna Cyndi Lauper the Cars Men at Work Fleetwood Mac yeah And watched a lot of of videos. Like one of my favorite videos, still to this day, is "Keep Feeling Fascination by the Human League." It's the one where they they live. I don't if if you've never seen it, it, they it's a they kind of live in the "You Are Here" dot on a Mm -hmm. map. So whenever you walk into that dot, everything's pink. Okay. It's it's hilarious. And so then, as I got a little bit older, and we moved back to Worthington, you know. Madonna, Prince, and Cindy have been consistent favorites since probably 1983. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but then I got a little older, and then was in middle school, and then that's when you know Janet Jackson, Whitney Houston, Tom Petty, Tears for Fears, and U two came into the picture, um, and they were they were probably my favorite bands all about mid high school. So mm-hmm. yeah, as a kid, kind of just sort of what was on MTV was, what, what were kind of my favorites.
1: Yeah. Um you know, so much great music from Prince and Madonna, you know, during the 80s. And, um, you know, the big four icons, obviously, is Bruce, you know, Michael Jackson, Prince mm-hmm. and Madonna for those, you know, I think if you were doing a bracket of musical acts in the 80s, they would be the top four, right, of the seeds, uh, you yeah, know, with a bracket so. And so, yeah. yeah, so that's very cool. So you started mentioning high school and college. Did you branch out a little bit on some different music or you stay pretty close to pop culture?
0: Um, I branched out a little bit. Uh, High school was all about what we called back then college rock for me. sure. (laughs) And um, discovering bands that were on the upperclassmen's t-shirts. Yeah. Um, (laughs) This is a weird thing that I did as a kid, but I went to a small high school. In Worthington, we have an alternative program called the Linworth Alternative Program. And it's not a private school. It's part of the it's part of the Worthington system, the Worthington public system, but it is an application-based school. Okay. Um, it's very small, it's more university type learning where you have small classes and the focus is on papers and tests rather than daily homework. Okay. So um I went to a high school of about 150 people. So, you know, my first my first day of high school it's like wham you're right there with everybody from the people you may or may not know because maybe only a couple of people from your middle school came to this high school with you and then uh, seniors everywhere yeah so um i remember being a freshman and putting in my very first columbia house order (laughs) yes and um some of the bands i chose were things that i had seen on upperclassmen's t-shirts bands like the house of love or the pixies or in spiral carpets that was a lot of stuff that i listened to in high school as well um but i also did a lot of playing catch-up on 80s bands that i kind of got a little bit of on mtv but they didn't have a ton of radio play yeah you know, because as a kid i had a a tape deck that i could tape things off of the radio (laughs) but not a lot of money so i'm not going to record stores a lot and i i'm an only child so i didn't have older siblings to teach me about music and I had two I have two older cousins and they lived in Cleveland so it's not like they were sharing records with me or giving me stuff or telling me who to so a lot of what I did is I kind of went back into the 80s and picked out some of the more new wave stuff so um, my 80s was very my high school was very talking heads oriented and all that that implies, you know, David Byrne's solo record, Uh-Oh, came out, I think, in 1982. And I think I wore a hole in that, if it's possible to wear a hole in something with a laser. Sure. Um, Simple <laughs> Minds, uh, Still U2, Devo, Go-Go's, Kirstie McCall, Billy Bragg, R.E.M., The Clash, Stone Roses, Yaz. Um, and high school is really when I got into Elvis Costello, who okay. is still to this day my all-time favorite. And then as I got into college... I started branching out a little bit with that as well staying with some of that net new wave, like Joe Jackson, Kate Bush. Um, But then there were also, you know, going, you know, doing more Peter Gabriel, like keeping up the Peter Gabriel thing.
1: Yeah. Um, Kate Bush is one of Linda's, my wife's favorites artists. Oh
0: my gosh. She's one of my all-time favorites. And then, but then we also had things in the '90s, like that's when Beck first came on the scene, yeah. And, uh, Cake first came on the scene, <laughs> so yeah. um, that that's sort of where I where I stayed in um, in college. And that's I think I kind of also went backwards a little bit and became a big fan of you know New Order and Joy Division and mm-hmm. bands like that.
1: Um, so a pretty diverse musical palette
0: very yeah very diverse musical palette i'm not even talking too much about um how in the 80s and 90s i also got into a lot of hip-hop and rap like yeah. um you, you know some of my favorites are of course salt and peppa i love, love 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 mc light i yeah. love you know wu-tang empd you know all kinds of um it's epmd <laughs> i'm saying yeah. the wrong things i'm still a little hungover i apologize that's all
1: right um so so
0: zan so, you mentioned lots of stuff
1: yeah, you mentioned Elvis Costello, and so I want to ask mm-hmm. a little bit about that. Can you articulate what about him and his music spoke to you so much?
0: Um, I think what did it to me, and this is this is an interesting thing, because I was always, um, when I was young, I was kind of a Paul McCartney dismisser. Um, I, I have a little more respect for Paul now, but I was more of a John than I was a Paul as a kid. Sure. But what got me into Elvis Costello was this song, Veronica, which is written by Paul McCartney. Okay. <laughs> um, so that was that was what got me there. And then when I got into high school, there were just some things around that just sort of, seemed like that was where he would go like I had a teacher that liked him and there were other kids that liked him and I think I was just going to the library and checking things out and one day I found a copy of My Aim is True and I listened to that like crazy and I just went sort of nuts for it and I don't know I don't know if it was Allison or Blame It On Kane that really got me. I think Blame It On Kane was one that really, really got me. I absolutely love that song. But, and then the um, Mighty Like A Rose album came out when I was in high school. Okay. Which was very different for him, but uh, have some songs on it that I absolutely, have some songs on it that I love, like something like Georgie and Her Rival, which is kind of a goofy song, but yeah. Um, that song as a teenager who was experiencing teenage angst was very spoke to me a lot about how you sometimes like some like people that you can't stand okay that you can have crushes on people that just aren't good for you (laughs) or that you just don't mesh with you know and um trying to think of other other ones that really really got to me oh um the song off of Blood and Chocolate, I Want You, which is actually um, written about Bibi Buell, the groupie and Liv Tyler's mother, yeah, is extremely powerful and extremely scathing. And that is one of my favorites because it's just, it starts out and you think it's gonna be this sweet love song. And, oh, it's not. And yeah. I think I liked the duplicity of that and, you know, because and because when you decide you're like Elvis, like in 1992, and you realize he's put out an album every year since 1977, yeah. <laughs> it's daunting. So, you know, you would buy records as you could. And I think one of the first ones I bought was his record Get Happy because it's a bunch of short songs. It's like it's bang for your buck. I know a lot of people that that's the first one they bought. Um, and... You know, it's, it, it, w- there was just something about that record that I, I felt so connected to because living in Columbus, Ohio, um, Elvis Costello very famously got a lot of bad press for getting in a bar fight one time with, um, oh, I wanna say Steven Stills and Bonnie Bramlett for sure. Okay. And they, they were having an argument about, you know, American music being better than British music and vice versa and elvis was drunk and he said something very nasty about ray charles <laughs> uh-huh. um, about his uh about his eye condition and his race if you can think of what he might have called him
1: yes okay
0: um <laughs> and i want to say bonnie bramlett you know knocked elvis onto a table like it was a it was a bad bar fight and uh, yeah. that happened at the holiday inn downtown in columbus <laughs> oh how funny <laughs> and and his uh, and the album get happy is sort of his like you know, sorry, I'm a nice guy. Uh, let's get happy, you know. So that I I I loved that album for that reason. It has great songs on it, like New Amsterdam's on that one. Um, and then I just sort of, and then I finally got around to buying Imperial Bedroom, and that's like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so especially later in high school, we my small high school did this thing. Uh, we called it walkabout, where the second half of your senior year, you don't go to school, you do some sort of internship and i did an internship with our public television station they put out a um a a magazine back when people put out magazines (laughs) and i worked for them and i would take the bus back and forth from ohio state to my house in Worthington, and uh i would be on ohio state's campus trying to catch the bus and you know when you're waiting for the bus what do you do there's nothing to do let's go shop at the record store it's like oh hey here's an elvis record i don't have here's an elvis record i don't have so my senior year of high school really beefed up, beefed up my Elvis collection.
1: Um, I did the same thing uh, in 1977. I graduated high school, and I first discovered the Beach Boys in the summer. Oh yeah, I picked up that eight track, mm-hmm. and so for years I would go to any record store I found, go to the B's, and search to see yeah, is there any albums I didn't have from the Beach Boys?
0: That's and what so, I did.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely um, have you been able to see Elvis perform live
0: yes I have I
1: how have. many times um,
0: oh my gosh that's a good question probably about eight I okay think. at least um, the uh, it, it's hard to say which is the best time but it's narrowed down to two okay and uh, we did Chris and I saw Elvis Costello we had tickets to see Elvis Costello and the opener was Billy Bob Thornton. Who, if you get a chance to see him, he's great. He's like a great. He's like a great bar band. He tells great stories. Okay, and he's fun. But um, the day we went to that concert is the day Chris asked me to marry him.
1: Oh, so that's, that's a really sweet. Good one. Yeah, that's sweet.
0: And then um, I I try to because I'm that kind of jerk where I try yeah. to be like I try to do like weird inside joke kind of things when I go places. So if it's at all possible. Whenever I see Elvis, I wear a green shirt and red shoes, Okay. in honor of the song "Green Shirt" and the and the song "The Angels Want to Wear My Red Shoes."
1: Ah, oh, very nice.
0: <laughs> so I try to always do that. Um, so we have a there was a an Elvis show he did. He brought back the spinning songbook tour, um, and he he was he did he was doing the song "God Give Me Strength" that he wrote for the movie grace of my heart
1: great and movie he came, by the way
0: it's a, it's a fantastic movie yeah. yeah he came down into the audience and walked around with that and so he elvis and i danced to that song
1: that's so nice
0: that was one of the most amazing experiences of my entire life and unfortunately when chris tried to take a picture somebody bumped him oh no so we have no picture of the actual thing but then afterwards i we waited outside and i said hey I'm the woman that was dancing with you. Can we just pretend we're dancing so my husband can get a picture because somebody bumped him, and so I have a picture of me and Elvis holding hands like we're like we're dancing.
1: But how very fun!
0: Was, yeah, so that that was incredible. And, and the first time I met him, it was I want to say it was Chris's birthday. We saw him. Mm-hmm. And we waited out back and we were able to see him, and I was just stunned. Like, I was totally stunned. By the time we got home, I was just sobbing like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it! I just... Didn't yeah." so yeah i have seen i have seen him quite a few times it's been
1: that's great it's been great um you know grace of my hearts is one of those movies that i i recommend to people you know when we're talking about it because um every time i listen to the cd i want to watch the movie and every time i watch the movie i want to listen to the cd right uh, and for those of you who don't know the premise is it's kind of a reimagining of um carol kings among other songwriters but mostly a carol king type persona and uh it goes through her whole career but what was amazing is they took songwriters from those eras and paired them with a modern songwriter to write the soundtrack so it's all original songs in different styles of the different 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and it's amazing Mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 wonderful yeah that's good so uh let's talk a little bruce i know because we were we were talking dr who and Mm -hmm. i i mentioned something and you immediately knew i think it was like a tunnel of love reference or that album Mm -hmm. so you you at least have a fair knowledge of bruce so talk to me a little bit about do you remember when you first heard bruce and just any thoughts you want to share about you know mr springsteen
0: well the the first time I think I was ever conscious of Bruce, I didn't realize it was Bruce. Yeah. Because I I think the first time Bruce ever came into my realm is when I was is when I heard Robin Williams do a uh, fire as Elmer Fudd.
1: Yes. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> so and and of course probably Santa Claus is coming to town. Right. Um, and of course Manfred Mann, which is still amazing to me that that is the only song by bruce springsteen that's ever been number one like i still can't believe
1: it is kind of crazy isn't it
0: that's like how is born in the usa not a number one song like how did that happen (laughs) yeah but um speaking of born in the usa um in 1984 i was eight years old and born in the usa was a monster of an album right um and i was looking at it earlier just to Refamiliarize myself with it because it's been a while since I listened to it, and I was just like, "There's like three songs on this that weren't like radio hits. Like it's yes. a huge, huge record." And as I said before, I, m- I moved a few times when I was a kid. Yeah, and it came out when I was living in Kettering, and the singles kept coming even after we moved to Worthington. Yeah, and you know, when you're a kid, that seems like a really long amount of time. Like that, that's a major demarcation in my life for me. Sure. Um, but I mean, it was not, it was 85. <laughs> we moved to Worthington. Yeah. So, you know, you start with bored in the USA being on MTV when you live in one house and then glory days is on TV when you uh, live in another house. So it just feels like a, this album lasted forever. Shout out to John sales, by the way. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so one of the yeah. songs I really love off that record is I'm on fire. Mm-hmm. That's probably my favorite song on that record. Um, because even though it was, it, I, I own that record and I love it, but at the time it wasn't anything that really spoke to me. It was just such a major part of the zeitgeist and a soundtrack to everyone's right. lives at the time. Sure. And, it was unavoidable, but extremely enjoyable. So yeah. it, it was something that was just part of your life. It was on the radio. Everybody knew the songs. So it was right there. So I think that's when I really became conscious of Bruce being Bruce.
1: You know, it's it's interesting, at least for us fans, is um, in Peter Carlin's book, um, Bruce, he talks about that, you know, the river had had some commercial success and Hungry Hard, and then he came back with Nebraska and mm-hmm. the record company's kind of, Oh, this is interesting. This isn't kind of what we were hoping as a follow up, but you, <laughs> <Right>? know, <laughs> you know, Oh, let's talk about, you know, a murder sprees and this darkness. And then, um, and then when they, he started bringing songs for born in the USA um, basically a record company this is a little more like it, what we were looking for. And yeah, it does yeah. seem that, um, I, you know, I think it's a, um, you, you know, maybe just a happy accident, right? But this was what he was feeling. And at the time it ended up hitting people's choices, you know, in their musical enjoyment. So, um, and, and Bruce snobs will say, Oh, born in the USA. And the, the truth was it's a, it's a great album filled Mm -hmm. with great songs and um yeah yeah and you know and uh it is kind of funny that uh when he performs live you know he doesn't he doesn't always he he picks only certain songs from that album it's not like he plays all the hits you know because he has such a diverse background oh yeah you
0: can't just play all of that because that's that's gonna be half your show
1: have you ever seen bruce perform live nope
0: it's big fat goose Yeah, yeah, it's big fat goose egg. Yeah, because yeah. I didn't, I didn't really start like you mentioned. We talked a little about Tunnel of Love. Yeah, for uh, on on uh, one of the Doctor Who shows we did together, and because that's not, I really didn't start digging into Bruce until Tunnel of Love came out. Like, Springsteen fans are usually a little shocked by that that Tunnel of Love was my gateway into Springsteen, but I was eleven when that came out,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and there was something about brilliant disguise that really did speak to me because yeah. um, you know that sort of those we, we call them tween years now like the ages of 10 yeah. 10 to 12. I'd been through a, a typical childhood experience where somebody's your best friend one day and then the next day
1: they hate you right
0: um, very much like the Judy Bloom book blubber where it's yeah. like you think you're friends with someone and the next day they're just not talking to you and so the idea of not knowing someone that you think you know, yeah, actually resonated with me. Even as an eleven-year-old, really, really resonated with me. Um, same thing with Two Faces. Um, yeah, the the whole story of you know this is, you know, making all these promises. And I had Bruce Springsteen's marriage to Julianne Phillips, right, was probably second only to Madonna's marriage to. Sean Penn in the Mm -hmm. tabloids at the time at the time right so (laughs) and even I remember as a kid thinking these people don't go together there's there's just something that doesn't go together with them and you know then they divorced and then this record comes out and then you have a song like that and I think you know as a hearing that as such a young kid that was kind of a cautionary tale for me you know, growing up, like don't don't be with a man like this. You know, if he shows you two faces, um, and one of them's horrible, yeah, <laughs> that horrible side isn't worth it. <laughs> like, if the other face is great, but if that horrible side is ever, if that horrible face is ever going to come out, it's not going to be, it's not going to be worth it for you.
1: So, you I, I I really think that shows a lot of depth, the young Zan, um, because often, uh, you know, I've had people say you can't appreciate tunnel of love till you've had your heart broken a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and, and I do think it is um, when, when Bruce announced that he was doing an autobiography, there were a couple of things I wanted out of the album. I wanted one, him talking about breaking up the band. I'm just fascinated by Mm -hmm. that. You know, how do you, you're at the top of the world, and then you tell these guys that have been your warriors, you know, forever, like, hey, I want to go try something new, by the way, you know, you're fired. Um, mm-hmm. And then also. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and, and by the way, uh, Little Steven has said this in uh, interviews and Bruce's, too, that, in fact, Little Steven will tell other band members, don't break up. Go. Yeah take a you know take a break take a leave of absence
0: make you know, a do, solo record do but don't all your do albums that. Yeah. but don't
1: officially break because the reality is there's room for all of it and mm-hmm. you can do that and um and i also was curious about his marriage because he doesn't talk about it much and no and in his autobiography he talks about being at dinner with julianne and staring at her going she is beautiful she is stunning why is she with me she is going to figure out sooner or later that i'm not worthy of her and you know and he totally takes 100 uh blame for the failure of the marriage um you know and i think that's interesting a young zan saw really you yeah, know these two don't belong together and then him and you know patty just clicked and right. uh, been Married you know now then into so many years
0: yeah it's it's thirty years this year um i there, there I remember a specific photo of the two of them, him and Julian, where she is dressed like a model like an eighties model she's very put together yeah. she's very she's gorgeous you know julian that hair i mean she's got fantastic hair right. <laughs> and um He's next to her in his unkempt Springsteen hair. He looks like he's probably he looks sweaty, he looks like he's kind of probably been drinking. He's he looks like he's talking to somebody, like he's Bruce yeah. is a very animated type of type of guy. Right. And he's wearing a suit with a bolo tie. Right. You know, he kind of looks like the cover of Tunnel of Love. Yes. And I and she's kind of looking to the other side and you can he's got his arm around her but he's talking really animated to somebody else and I'm like these two don't match they don't match they there's probably they probably love something about each other but they don't match it's interesting and and you know julianne became a little bit more uh pop culture noticeable in the 90s when she was on the show sisters
1: yes i remember sisters
0: yeah and as and and i would occasionally watch that because i'm a big swoozy kurtz fan sure um and i just and even then i just remember thinking like i think this is probably better for her (laughs) like (laughs) that she's known for sisters rather than being bruce springsteen's wife i think that's that's so much better for for her and as you were talking too about the breakups of the of the e-street band it's like why would you get rid of that as um springsteen said when the e-street band was inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame because springsteen was inducted first but not the e-street band and little stephen was at his house saying what the hell man what why is this happening yeah. And he's like, well, you know, I am Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. This is the, this is what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is saying, blah, blah, blah. And Stephen said, but Bruce Springsteen and the E Street band, that's the legend. Yes. And he's right. And he's like, okay, well, I, you know, you guys are fired, but I'm doing this record. Uh, Danny, Roy, you want to come help me do keyboards and pianos and stuff on this, right. thing, please? Yeah. Like, it's still... It, It's like the Tom Petty record um, that his for solo, his solo record that he did that still has everybody on it. Right. That, you know, Full Moon Fever still has pretty much everybody on it. I'm not, I don't remember if Stan is on it too, but you know, Mike Campbell's there, Howie Epstein's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Ben is there. You're like, "Uh, how is this not a Heartbreakers record? But I think uh, with Springsteen, I, I think it was probably, this one was probably too personal for him to have yeah the e-street band with him on this so that's probably where his mindset was but yeah it was a dumb idea to say okay no more e-street Band.
1: well and then we uh he talks about it in the broadway show that you could watch on netflix right that um a band one plus one equals two but on a band one plus one equals three and that's where the magic happens, that yeah. the sum of the parts is greater than them individually, you know. And that, um, and he did talk about that. That, um, in when he and when he introduced them, right? That the Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band is makes it something you know mm-hmm. greater than themselves.
0: Yeah, and yeah. some most of the some of the stuff that I really love. Yeah off of, off of Tunnel of Love is E Street. Yeah. Because like, you know, soundtrack nerd gonna keep bringing up the soundtracks yeah. forever. Um, one of my favorite soundtrack composers is Thomas Newman. Okay. Um, especially his eighties work, um, things like Real Genius and Man with honor a Shoe and not surprisingly, Desperately Seeking Susan. <laughs> yeah. And he's very keyboard, keyboard, centric right. and i played the piano and so keyboards and music always really spoke to me and the keyboards on tunnel of love remind me a lot of thomas newman keyboards okay um and same thing with tougher than the rest that's so keyboard heavy yeah and that's a thing that i think a lot of older springsteen fans in the 80s were like what the hell is all of this synthesizer stuff this is the 80s wire know this record is very 80s it is very slickly produced yes but looking back on it i don't feel like it's there are some times when keyboards in rock especially somebody like Springsteen, where you have had you know danny and roy forever so we know keyboards we know we know piano keyboards hammond all of it um it doesn't feel tacked on to me it does feel slickly produced a little more slickly produced But it doesn't feel tacked on the way something like um, the keyboards in um, when Iron Maiden did it on Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, or when Judas Priest does it in on their Turbo record. Right.
2: Um,
0: Same thing with uh, Jump by Van Halen. Those are iconic keyboards. They don't feel tacked on, and Mm -hmm. that's how I felt about this one. That you know, tougher than the rest is very, very keyboardy. Yes. (laughs) But again, and but the keyboards and piano and organ on tunnel love and talking to the rest are, are Danny and Roy. Yeah. So, and
1: they, and they, they make it work. Um, One of the questions I often ask is stories from the road. Um, You know, like any stories and you've already shared a couple of concert stories, but Mm -hmm. um, do you ever travel with Chris on his, when he's doing uh, conventions?
0: I do. I do. I travel, I travel with him most of the time, unless, unless for some reason I can't
1: yeah Um, there was one
0: time he did a show and i had a wedding (laughs) so he had to go to the show by himself and then i did the wedding
1: yeah um so um zan's uh, spouse chris is a is a comic book artist um that has worked on some amazing books and uh so i'm just curious do you have any fun stories either on concerts or going to conventions you might want to share with the audience
0: okay well yeah because i already told you my elvis dancing story which is the ultimate
1: Yes, that's um, the best. Concert.
0: Yeah, the, the next best concert story I have, um, I'll start with the concert ones and I'll tell, then I'll tell the uh, convention ones. But the next best concert story that I have is I went to New Jersey to visit my friend Shelley on my birthday. And she took me to see Colin Hay, who is still one of my all-time favorites. Um, Colin Hay from from Men at Work and we got to go to the famous Maxwell's in Hoboken. And that was, you know, it's gone now and it's an iconic place and I'm glad I was able to go, but um, I was standing up real close to the stage and somehow he heard something I said to her and he talked about it and then, um, and then I made a comment back and somehow he, it, I was able to tell him that it was my birthday. and so um con hay sang happy birthday to me
1: nice
0: and then um took uh took my request he's like is there a song you want to hear and i said yes i want to hear waiting for my real life to begin and he played it so
1: that That is one of the
0: best birthday presents i've ever gotten
1: (laughs) that is um i had not i had heard that song on they played it on some tv show scrubs Uh, wasn't scrubs because i don't But But anyway, yes, and I I I remember downloading that song, and loving that song. So yeah, in fact, that's when you said Colin Hayes, I immediately said waiting for really. (laughs) yes, I was like that. So yes, (laughs) that's a great choice.
0: Yeah. So that was that's a wonderful wonderful story. Um. The uh, there's so many fantastic convention stories. We've just all had so much fun and so many because yeah, in the comic book industry. Um my husband, Chris, Chris Sprouse, if you want to Google him, um, he's worked with so many people that he's either never met or only met a couple of times because they live across the globe. Right. And um, so it's great to finally meet people and have dinner with friends that we never see because they live in other places. and um, Stuff like that is always a, a really, really good time. But probably the the, the weirdest one is Chris and I were In Toronto, we were at a Toronto show and um, we were downstairs in the bar because the internet in the room was, they like didn't have Wi-Fi in the room. They just said ethernet in the room. Yeah. So we didn't want to, and there was only one cable. (laughs) Right. And we both had laptops and we both wanted to be online. So we went downstairs in the bar where there was Wi-Fi and we were just on our computers and um, there were... Two guys at the bar, and they were talking about how TV used to be. And one of them was talking about how now this concludes our broadcast day. And um, so when I went up to get drinks, I just said to them, "I said, excuse me, I heard you talking about TV, and now that you said broadcast day, now I have the national anthem in my head because that's what used to happen. Is yes, being, would, absolutely. This concludes our broadcast day, and they would play Star Spangled Banner, and then the TV would just be fuzzy. It would just be static. Right. And. Um, those two guys were john delancey and bruce boxleitner
1: oh how funny
0: <laughs> um bruce boxleitner of course is tron and john delancey of course is q from star trek the next yes. generation so um the next morning when we're all gathering in the hotel lobby to go over to the convention bruce boxleitner's there and he sees me he's like are you some sort of a stalker like he sort of and i'm like no i'm just here with my husband we're going to the show and i felt really bad and then he kept making these jokes about me being a stalker yes (laughs) he's like don't say anything in front of her she's with tmz like (laughs) and he had like just broken up with um melissa gilbert at the time so i think he was just joking around but also like what the hell yeah so chris went up and got me because i was like i can't get an autograph from him now it's going to look ridiculous so chris went up and said, Hey, I'm just on a break from my table. My wife is really sorry. He's like, Oh my God, please tell her I'm kidding. Please tell her I'm sorry. And so, so then I went up later and I said, hi. (laughs) He's like, Hey, I said, listen, I just got to tell you you I'm sorry if I made you uncomfortable but I'm from the Midwest. And when I'm in a bar, I don't know any strangers. And he just said, "Well, that's two things we have in common." <laughs>
1: yeah, that's <laughs> so great.
0: Now Bruce Boxlander does not think I'm a stalker, so that's, that's a pretty that's a pretty good one. And then the time we were in, um, this is actually a little Stephen related. <laughs> we went to Johannesburg to do a convention, and um, after the show, the the, the organizer of the show took so much fantastic care of us. They, it was wonderful. It was a dream trip. I cannot thank them all enough. Um, you know, thank you, Patrick, for everything you did. <laughs> um, they sent us to Sun City. Oh, wow. And so my, as I was there, my friend Shelly just kept sending me pictures of little Stephen because, you know, I'm yeah. not going to play Sun City. See, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, so we went on a uh, on a game drive through Polinesburg National Park where you know you, you you're in a guy you, you're in a jeep with a guy and you're seeing all kinds of animals and which was unbelievably outstanding it was just out of this world fabulous you know elephants, giraffes, uh, leopards, lions, everything it was incredible and um, while we were doing this drive there was another tour that broke down their jeep broke down they had a yeah. flat tire they had to change the tire and when that happens when you're on the game drive all of them all of the guides and the drivers they descend on that one person to get that car out of there as fast as possible and they sure. will not let you leave the jeep because now you are a sick animal
2: <laughs>
1: yes <laughs> out there
0: <laughs> and um we look over and the people in the broken down jeep are the cast of american gods Oh, how so funny! I've got this great photo of, um, cause we, we looked at them. We we're like, Oh, Hey, convention people. And they waved at us and we waved at them. And so I have this great picture of this broken down Jeep with Ricky Whittle, just mugging
1: for the camera. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. That sounds yeah. so good. Uh, well, great. Um, all right. I know you have a pinball tournament to get to, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to keep you too much longer. Um, is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't, Sam?
0: Anything you should have asked me? Um, that's a good question. Well, you sent me a, uh, you sent me a, uh, some questions that you were going to ask me, and you said songs you hope to hear live sometime. Yes. Um, and I would have to say, two of the people that I absolutely love and have never been able to see live are Simple Minds and Kate Bush. Okay. So hopefully someday I will hear Simple Minds somewhere, somewhere, someone somewhere in summertime and Kate
1: Bush's cloud busting. So um, I I don't know if Linda will hear this because I think you've seen her. She's, you know, wandering around, but um, we were, we were talking about seeing people live and I don't remember mm-hmm. how we got to it, but I, I said, sir, are you telling me that if Kate Bush toured? you would not, because, you know, Linda's never seen her, obviously, yeah, and obviously, and yeah. Linda's like, okay, you got me, yes, <laughs> like, yes, I would, yeah. if if it would not put us in financial straits, there, there would mm-hmm. not be, there would be, I would spend a lot of money to go hear Kate Bush, and I said, yes, and I would send you for that, for that reason, yeah. so absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm at the point now where if Symbol Minds tours the N- North America, I will yeah. find a way to get there because they they actually were in in the last sometime in the last twenty years they were in Cleveland and I was not in Ohio. There's oh, something wow. was going on and I was not there. And uh, my friends Irma and Mark mm-hmm. were able to see that London show that Before the Dawn London show that she yeah. did like that three nights. They were able to go to that. Oh my god, I was so so happy for them. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> they got to go.
1: Well, I, I they just as we're recording this uh bruce is back on broadway he will i think tonight might be the premiere if not the next couple of days and word has broke that um he's changing it up slightly he's re- he's he's taking away three songs and adding three new songs instead of Ooh. uh a brilliant disguise him and patty are doing fire together um that would be cool that would be very cool um he is doing uh instead of ghost of tom joad he's doing um 41 shots american skin and then uh the song i'll see you in my dreams which is what uh from letter to you his newest album he's doing that instead of born to run which will be a little strange that you know though when I, i when when he was doing acoustical shows um for Devils and Dust, he did not do Born to Run. So that isn't certainly unprecedented. That makes sense. Unprecedented, yeah, that makes but sense. Um, yeah, so. That's I,
0: disappointing. Uh, to, for me, my favorite Springsteen song is Born to Run.
1: Yeah.
0: It's my favorite song and my favorite record. Yeah. And um, that would be a hard one, I think. That would be bittersweet for me to see live, I think, because The Big Man is my favorite E Street member with sure. you know Roy, Roy and Danny's close seconds. Right. Um, roy mostly because i'm a huge jim steinman and meatloaf fan i love roy yeah um but clarence has always been my favorite he just has so much personality and to see somebody not clarence play that sax solo i think i would just cry (laughs) like i love that i'm seeing this song live but oh i miss you clarence so much
1: (laughs) well you know it was funny right when he after clarence passed and the wrecking ball tour. You know, they ended up having you know a horn yeah. section because they didn't even want to try, and no. then and and Clarence's uh, nephew Jake has stepped up and it does a wonderful job. Um, yeah. But I think that being a relative of Clarence's helps among Street mm-hmm. fandom. Uh, I so. think so
0: because how how do you yes. replace the big man? Right. I mean, you just yeah. you just can't. I mean, yeah, and that's and, one of my and one of my all-time favorite album covers yeah and i thought i had this record and i can't find it i don't know what happened to it but um as i told you i'm a big jim henson muppet fan yeah um but the the cover of the record born to add yes the sesame street album born to add yes um is the cover of born to run but it's muppets instead right you know it's uh and the big man is and Clarence is a uh, cookie monster is dressed yes. like Clarence with a saxophone it's yeah. so fabulous
1: <laughs> that is just so perfect that is you know you've made pop culture you know yeah. awareness when sesame street is when uh, cookie
0: monster dresses up like you you yes, are absolutely. you are uh, you know you are solidly uh, in pop yeah. culture royalty
1: all right so uh we're going to end with a merry question as always so mm-hmm. for those of you who are listening to your first episode of set Lusting bruce because you're a huge Sans sprouse fan uh let me explain the mary question to you jay armstrong is a retired honors english teacher but when he was still teaching every year he would take his seniors his honors english class and they take the song thunder road and they would break it down as if it was a poem they would look at the lyrics and the imagery that bruce is doing they talk about the themes they would compare it to robert frost the road not taken and at the end of the two days jay asks this class does mary get in the car so zan that is your question at the end of thunder road does mary get in the car
0: yes but i hope they don't stay together forever
1: okay you want to expand Um, a little
0: yeah so i think she gets in the car but i hope they break up eventually okay because they both need to get out of town but they also don't need to be together forever they are what each other needs right now and i hope they stay friendly but i feel like you know they're 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 young even though they're not getting any younger yeah um and you can tell that he's not that into her with, you know, you're not the beauty. What is it? You're not a beauty, but I don't mind. Or how does yeah, that line go?
1: You're not a beauty, but hey, you're all right. Which is the yeah, reason hey, why Linda hates the song. She's like, <laughs> that is just mud So, yes.
0: Right. I mean, and, and, you know, as much as I love the song Fire, it's a little rapey. I mean, yes, <laughs> it's yes. a little problematic, but it's still... Yes it's better when it's Elmer Fudd because you know he's not getting anything, well and <laughs> you know the same
1: concern you're talking about you know I'm on fire hey little girl is your daddy home can be right. creepy as hell if you are
0: very very creepy yes you know? and um but so you know they're what each other needs right now but yeah. if they stay together forever they're going to create their own rut in whatever new town they find
1: okay I like
0: that. And so it's kind of like, I hope they get it. I, I feel like if there were another verse to this, it would be the praying for the end of time verse in paradise by the dashboard light. Okay. Like, okay, we got out of this town together, but now we're just in our own quagmire again. So I hope they get out of town. They maybe, they maybe have some adventures together, but then they, they go their separate ways and have great memories of each other and stay friendly, but they'll, they'll just, they'll start, the, they'll start the cycle over again if they stay together, I think. So yes, she gets in the car, but they break up.
1: There you go. Very nice. All right. So Zan, where can people find you if they want to hear more of your fabulous work or reach out to you?
0: Well, I am on social media as Udinax19 on Instagram and Twitter, uh, which was recently hacked. So if you follow me on Twitter, I apologize that I, that you got offered a deal on ray-ban sunglasses that was not me me. isn't that
1: just so weird people get hacked and do that yes that's so
0: strange that was not me um ray-bans are fine but i don't care if you buy them or not um (laughs) and i'm zan Sprouse on facebook and if you want to hear more podcasting stuff by me um charles skaggs and i do drunk cinema where we discuss our favorite movies over our favorite adult beverages, um, which is why I do things like mix up the letters and E, P and B Mm -hmm. because I did that podcast last night. Um, And we also, Charles and I also do Ghostwood, the twin peaks podcast where we talk about everything tangentially related to twin peaks and tangentially related to David Lynch. And uh, DJ Nick and Rachel friend and I do gold standard, the Oscars podcast where we are going through chronologically year by year every movie that has won the best picture oscar we started in 1928 with wings and our most recent episode that is up now is 1954's on the waterfront so we we're we're gonna do 1955 next time which is marty so we're slowly working our way through the years of that
1: yes and i am trying to work my schedule so i can jo- join you guys for marty
0: that would be great yeah that would be great yeah that's such a that's such a sweet movie yeah so so
1: we uh i was able to join you guys on casablanca i was going to do a couple others and then i got sick so i'm hoping to get back and join you guys for marty Uh,
0: we hope so too and hopefully um whatever else you want to talk about that (laughs) sounds great you can (laughs) come on with us
1: Well, Zan, this was great. I appreciate you taking time and visiting with me. This was a lot of fun. This was great. Thank you so much
0: for having me. Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right, listeners, you stay safe. Go get vaccinated if you haven't been vaccinated yet. There's no reason not to. But continue to let's uh, social distance. And if you're not vaccinated, remember your mask. And let's all be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this. For now, take care. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce. Set and Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set and Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by Permission.